Well, hello, Wellspring Church. It's always an honor to open up God's word with you. Um, today, we are continuing our Beyond the Season series, where we're looking at what does biblical generosity look like? Now, when it comes to this topic of, of generosity and giving, it can sometimes be um, an interesting topic to talk about in the church. When you think of generosity, it can sometimes be touchy, but when it comes to this church, it's not a touchy topic because we have one of the most generous churches I have ever had the honor of being a part of. And if you don't believe that, for those of you that have been to our church recently, you have seen and walked in our hallways, seeing our hallways lined with diapers. It's just amazing. And these diapers have been given in order to give away in December to our community in the name of Jesus. Amazing. And then we have faithful men and women who give every single week so we can have this building, so we can pay our staff, so we can have care budgets and outreach budgets, and we can continue to do what we know God has called this church to do. We have a very generous church. When it comes for, to the Christian, when it comes to a follower of Jesus, the topic of giving shouldn't be a touchy subject, but for some, it is. I mean, if we're going to be real, for some, this topic is a touchy subject. And it's for a couple different reasons. Um, one, you may have the kind of outlook that, listen, I work hard for my money. I work long hours. I, I, I put in the time. I built my business or, or, or I went to school. And, and, and for anyone to tell me what to do with, with my money or anyone to tell me or give me suggestions of where I should put my money, um, I have an issue with that. Or maybe you're on the opposite end. Maybe you're someone who's like, I don't make a lot of money. You know, I'm always just scrapping. I'm always trying to make ends meet. And when, when the topic of generosity comes up, it just hits me in a different way because I'm trying to figure out how to pay my bills. And, and then you bring up this topic of giving. And then for some, it's because, listen, I don't understand where the church spends its money. And, you know, I've seen churches abuse money. And so when the church talks about it, it just, it just brings up feelings. Well, if you're one of those people, I want you to know that I was one of those people as well. When I was uh, 18 years old, moved out of my parents' house and had an apartment, and, and I was, man, I was working on a ministry budget. I was barely making ends meet. Month after month, I was trying to figure out, how do I pay the rent? How do I pay the car bill? How do I pay the cell phone bill? How do I pay the credit card bill? And I was drowning and drowning and drowning. I don't know if you've ever been there. Well, I was serving in my local church. I was kind of like an assistant youth leader. And so I went to our associate pastor and I said, listen, I know you're really good with money. Can you help me? I'm drowning here. So he invited me over and he said, okay, Graham, take some time to sit me through what you spend your money on every single month. So I kind of ran him down the list of, well, I, you know, I have the bills and then I have, you know, I kind of go out with my friends and I just kind of ran down all the things I spend my money on every single month. And when I got done, he kind of was looking it over and giving me a little bit of tips and tricks. But then he paused and asked me a question. He said, Graham, you know, I noticed that when you were talking about all the things that you spend your money on every single month, you never brought up the topic of, of giving or, or generosity or tithing or offering or anything like that. Can I ask you why? Well, if I'm honest with you, man, I, I kind of fumbled through some kind of answer. You know, I said things like, well, listen, when I'm at church and I see the offering plate go by, I'll kind of search my wallet and see whatever's in there. You know, I'll, I'll put it in there. Or, 
You know, when I go to Walmart and I see the Santa Claus and the red bucket, you know, if I got some change in my pocket, I'll throw it in, you know. Or if I, you know, a friend is like, you know, car broke down, you know, I'll drop him 20 bucks to, you know, help him get gas. Like, you know, I, I, I give, I, I, you know, and he could see in my voice and in my thinking that there was a disconnect. So as I got done fumbling through my answer, he looked at me and said, Graham, I know you are a follower of Jesus. I know you love God. I know you're, you, you are trying to, to live more like Jesus. Um, can I ask you a question? And he said to me, Graham, you worship God. I know you love God. Is there a reason why you're not worshiping God in the area of giving in your life? And, and if I'm honest with you, that moment set me on a trajectory to change my entire outlook when it comes to the topic of giving and generosity. You see, for, for a Christian, giving is not a taxation to a club. Like when you say yes to Jesus, giving is not this idea of like, well, now that I'm in this club, I got to give money to the church, right? Giving is not a taxation. Giving is an act of worship. So when we have this correct view that God owns all of it, God owns all of me, giving comes out an overflow, comes out of an overflow of our heart of the grace that we have been given by God. You see, um, giving is not, we don't give so we can be fulfilled. We give because we're living in an overflow. We're living in an overfill. So I needed a perspective shift. And, and maybe you're watching today and, and you need a perspective shift as well. So today we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture, which I believe is the greatest passage of scripture in the New Testament when it comes to this topic of giving and generosity. So if you're following along today, we're going to be turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 1. But let me recap for you where we kind of are in the Bible. The Apostle Paul wrote 1 and 2 Corinthians. It's the church of Corinth. And the church of Corinth had a lot of stuff going on, man. They were dealing with kind of this, this bad view of what authority was. They were dealing with adultery in the church. They were dealing with abuse of spiritual gifts. And, and Paul being Paul, he wrote these letters to the church of Corinth to kind of say, I know who God wants you to be. I know the kind of, kind of church that God wants you to be. So I'm going to write letters to help get you back on track. Well, where we are in scripture today, um, the church of Corinth had made a promise. They'd have made a promise to the church of Jerusalem where it all happened, saying that we were going to help you because the church of Jerusalem was living in tremendous, tremendous poverty. And the church of Corinth was, was a very wealthy church. So, so they made a promise that they were going to help. Well, it's now a year later, and, and Paul's saying, listen, um, the check never came in the mail. So what, what Paul does is he illustrates and gives the church of Corinth three really powerful insights when it comes to this topic of generosity. And my prayer is today that these insights that Paul gave to the church of Corinth are insights that we can take personally in order to help change our perspective when it comes to this topic of giving and generosity. So, so let's, dive, let's dive in. It starts off in verse 1. It says, 
We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for this message today. God, I pray that as we read your word and listen to this, this and study this topic of what you believe generosity to be, God, I pray that you open up our hearts, that if we have feelings of this topic of giving and generosity, God, that we just lay them down right now. And if there is something that you need to speak into our hearts, God, I pray that we be open. We have an open heart and open hands when it comes to this topic, God, because we want to live more like you. So Jesus, we love you. I thank you that you care for us. I thank you that you want us to pursue your character. So Jesus, in your name, amen. So let's kind of set the scene of what's happening in these passages. Paul is highlighting that the, the churches in Macedonia were giving to the, Paul was highlighting this, the, the churches of Macedonia and giving the church of Corinth an example and not just an example of normal generosity, but radical, grace-motivated generosity that can only be explained by God. You see, again, the, the church of Jerusalem was living in tremendous, tremendous poverty. And the church of Macedonia, we read in these passages, was also living in poverty. And yet, they were able to, to perform a radical act of generosity out of, a, out of an overflow and to give an unbelievable Ways And Paul's giving the church of Corinth an example. So let's break down some, some insights in this passage when it comes to what we're reading today. Number one, we give despite our situation. We give despite our situation. Uh, it reads again, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in their severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. The, the churches of Macedonia were living in deep poverty. They were living in deep poverty. But despite their situation of living in deep poverty, they were also living deeply generously. Why? Why would a church do that? Why would a group of people do that? It's because they were living in their overflow. 
that out of an overflow of the grace of God in their life that they've been experienced, and out of an overflow of an abundance of joy, they were living out radical generosity. So a question for you and a question I had when I was studying this passage is, what are you living out of? When it comes to what's overflowing out of your heart and hands, what are you living out of? Or to put it another way, um, do you allow your situations or your circumstances to hinder you from being generous? When I was studying again, this passage hit me because if you're anything like me, there have been moments when, you know, it comes to the end of the week and, you know, the, the bills are there. And I thought in my head, oh, man, if if I could just pull back on my giving a little bit this week, I could catch up on some bills and and then maybe I can I can be a little bit more generous later. And I've kind of had these thoughts of allowing my my circumstances, allowing my bills, allowing my situations to hinder myself when it comes to this topic of myself being generous. But don't we all do this from time to time? I mean, maybe we're saying, listen, my job situation is so hard right now. Like, I'm just dealing with so much uncertainty. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I I can't be generous right now. Or or the credit card bills continue to pile up. I'm just struggling and and there's no room in my life or, or no margin in my life for this topic of generosity. Or maybe we have that vacation coming up and we just need a break and we're like, ah, I, I can't give her. I just got my, I got my life happening right now. I got stuff going on right now. So often we allow our situations to hinder our giving. But what Paul is teaching in this passage is this. Our situations don't drive our generosity. Grace does. Grace drives our generosity. Secondly, we read this, um, we give with the right emotions. We give with the right emotions. In, in verse three, it says, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, for on their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. When we're filled with the right emotions, it compels us to the right actions. When we're filled with the right stuff, it compels us to do the right stuff. What I love about this passage is it teaches us that when we're motivated by faith in our giving, we never have to be asked to be generous. I think one of the most extreme acts of kindness that can happen is when generosity hits you that you never had to ask for. And that's what's happening in this passage. I don't know about you, but that is radical generosity and so different than what we experience so often. As a follower of Jesus, we are compelled by grace, not pressure. As a follower of Jesus, we are compelled by grace, not pressure. That when I'm motivated by grace and filled with joy, despite my situation, despite my circumstances, I am eager and searching for opportunities to be generous. When I was studying this passage and doing some more research, I came across an article in The Atlantic that I just found fascinating. And it goes like this. It details this man who had something happen to him. Now, before this happening, um, this man was kind of known in his community and in his family of being kind of a stingy guy, 
right? Kind of being like, you know, if the tip, the bill came, you know, he's kind of a light tipper. He had a big savings account. You know, he, he just kind of always was looking to cut corners. And then something happened to him. And after this happening, he had bought, a, he changed careers, he bought a food cart and became legendary in his community for radical generosity. So much so that kids would run up to his food cart and ask him, hey, can we have some fries? And he wouldn't even think twice. He would just give all of the kids in his community free fries. And it became almost a detriment to his business that his business was no longer really making money because of its extreme generosity. Well, the thing that happened to this guy to make this change was this man had a stroke. And what this article goes on to detail is that what the world is kind of saying and, and looking at is this idea of radical generosity, extreme generosity, can only be explained by brain damage or mental health. That it's damage to the frontal lobe brain, and, and, and the only way that the world can kind of rectify and explain this idea of radical generosity to the, to the extent that there's a quote in here that says, the burden of living with someone who's extremely generous. The world is saying that when you think of this idea of radical, unbelievable, mind-blowing generosity, it only can be explained by brain damage. What I found fascinating is that kind of radical generosity is what we're seeing in this passage with these Macedonian churches, right? They had nothing to give, yet they gave all they could and more. That's radical generosity. Why would they do that? They're doing that because they are living in their overflow, that they've been so impressed by the grace of God and they have so much joy about what Jesus had done for them, they are willing to put on display radical generosity in order for the relief of the saints. Church, that is amazing. That is powerful. That is like Jesus. Which leads us to our third and final observation is that, that we give like Jesus. It ends in verse 9. It says this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that, by, that, that you by his poverty might become rich. Church, you could spend all day looking over that passage and the meaning and ramifications of what that's saying. In the church world, we define grace. You may have heard this before, but if someone ever asks you, how do you define grace? It's this, unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. And, and kind of a simpler word to explain that is undeserved kindness. Here is the perspective shift that the, the church of Corinth needed, and so many of us need as well, is that before Christ, we deserve death because of our sin. That before Jesus, we deserve death because of our sin. We had a penalty. But God, being the loving God that he is, sent his son to live a perfect life and pay the penalty that we deserved. And he would die on a cross for us, paying the debt that he didn't deserve to pay, that we deserve to pay, but paying that debt because of love, because of grace. We received kindness that we didn't deserve. Church, that is grace. And when we walk in that perspective, 
when we're walking in a perspective of grace and joy and growing in the knowledge of what God has done for us, then that means that we are looking around, that we're searching out, that we're not letting our circumstances or our situations, that we're filled with joy and that we're living and giving like Jesus because of that grace. Well, that leads us to our, our big idea for this online experience is that a grace-filled life is a generous life. A grace-filled life can only result in a generous life. That when we, that when we're motivated by grace, that despite our circumstances, that despite our emotions, that, that we're living with an open heart and open hands, eager and searching for opportunities to give, to give with our time, to give with our monies, to give with our, our gifts, to, 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 to give, to give like Jesus gave. Because a grace-filled life is a generous life. So a question for you watching right now. Um, if you're struggling with this, this topic of generosity, if you're struggling with this topic of, of giving, what are you filled with? What perspective is guiding your thinking when it comes to this topic of, of generosity and giving? Is it a perspective that, that, that Jesus holds it all, that all I have is owned by God, that my soul and my life and everything I am is owned by God? Or is that God gets 10% of me and I get 90 is it maybe that you're being guided by your circumstances and your situations, not being able to put your trust in God and allowing just the wind to flow by you and, you, and you're just so wandering and just so easy to kind of, kind of cave into your circumstances? Or maybe you're being, being guided by this idea of like selfish ambition instead of joy. What perspective is, is guiding your thinking when it comes to this topic of generosity. Church, we have been saved for a purpose. We have been shown love to love. We have been forgiven to forgive others. And we have been shown the generosity of God to be generous. This is important. God does not need our money. Hear this. God does not need our money. What God needs is our heart. God established his church, choosing and saving you and I to be his hands and feet to help build the kingdom of God. And when God gives you a blessing, he blesses you to bless someone else. So here's my, here's my challenge for this week. And no, the challenge is not for you to give more money. That's not what we're here to do. Because I have to tell you right now, if all you walk away with in this sermon is, ah, I just gotta, I just gotta give more money. Or, 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 or I just feel this guilt of, of not, not giving more. You have missed the heart of this sermon. Because what this, this, this text is trying to drive at is, is it's trying to challenge our perspective. Because generosity is a result of a changed heart. 
Generosity was a result of a heart so filled and so empowered by the grace of God in our life that we are overflowing with joy and looking for opportunities to give because Jesus gave to us. Warren Wiersbe said this. He said, a church lacking in spiritual depth will lack in generosity. So here's my challenge for this week for you, is to simply wrestle with the text. Uh, my encouragement to you is to wrestle with your perspective. And, and I would love you to, to sit down this week, and maybe it's this with yourself, maybe you need to pull in your spouse, maybe, maybe it would be wise to kind of pull in your whole family and kind of ask yourselves the, the following questions. And I'm going to list these questions out for you. Number one, am I motivated by God's grace in my life? To sit down with yourself and really wrestle, read this passage and ask yourself the question, am I motivated by God's grace in my life? Number two, if God owns it all, if I'm living with the perspective that God owns all of me and everything I have, does my time, my money, and my giftedness reflect that? And lastly, what's one action you can take to give more like Jesus. Church, why this matters is because it matters to God. God doesn't want just 10% of us. He wants 100% of us because he deserves it. Imagine what would happen if the church was so ignited. Imagine what would happen if the church was so ignited by the grace of God that we were filled with joy and that we were living with a generous heart. What would happen in your marriage? What would happen in your marriage if your heart was so filled with the grace of God and you were ignited with joy and you were going to be generous with your spouse? What would happen? What would happen in the lives of your children? What would happen in your house? What would happen in our community? What would happen in our churches? What would happen in this church? If we were a body of believers, ignited by the grace of God and filled with joy, searching and looking for opportunities to allow the overflow of our hearts to be lived out in generous, generous ways. Church, God owns it all. And if you say yes to Jesus, and if you have said yes to Jesus, God owns all of you. So I hope you, you, you take this challenge and you, and you work through this idea of I need a perspective shift because a grace-filled life is a generous life. And I want to be filled with the grace of God. Church, take this challenge. Live boldly in grace and live boldly in joy and watch what God does with the overflow of your heart. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today, God. God, I thank you that, that you, you refuse to leave us where we are, God. God, I thank you for being generous with us. I thank you that we can study your grace and we can, we can live in your grace and be empowered by your grace. And because of your grace, we can be filled with joy despite our circumstances. Because God, right now, our circumstances feel so uncertain. God, we never know what's coming next in our life right now. 
But we know after studying this passage, God, that despite what's our surroundings, we can have hope and trust in you and be filled with your grace, be filled with your joy, and be a part of your mission. So God, I pray for anyone watching today. God, I pray that they wrestle with this text. God, if they're not living to the potential that you want them to live at, God, if they're not living with with this idea of a grace-filled life leading to a generous life, God, I pray that you work in their spirit. Because God, I want to be a body of believers. I want to be a Christian so ignited, so empowered by your grace that I am living in more and more and becoming more and more like you, Jesus. So Jesus, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you that you died on the cross for us and we can live in freedom and we can live in power and we can live in grace. And then we get to watch and experience what that purpose does all of around us. So Jesus, we love you again and in your holy name. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Tom's River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you. And we hope you have a fantastic week.